HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. Sitting here with Chad and Chase uh, Valencia, co-owners of Lhasa here in Chinatown in Los Angeles. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Super happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Of course. So even though we're in Chinatown, this is a Filipino restaurant. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, which is sort of the beauty of Los Angeles that um, even though there's tons of little areas, tons of different like ethnic pockets, you can sort of pop up a, a restaurant anywhere, regardless of the of the, you know, um, type of area you're in. Absolutely. Um, where'd you guys grow up? Uh, we were born in Los Angeles, and uh, as we were growing, our parents kept moving more east and more east. So, outside after Los Angeles, we moved to San Gabriel Valley, um, and kept going more east than from San Gabriel Valley into the Inland Empire. And then we grew up in Chino Hills, California. What was that like? What was growing up? Who cooked in the family? My mom. Mom and grandma. My grandma. Yeah. Uh, we had like a strong um, matriarchal family and a lot of cooking happening, a lot of Filipino meals all day. Every um, day. We grew up with, grew up with that. Um, and then Sundays would be Popeye's Yoshinoya or Chinese food. After church. <laughs> After, right. church. After church. <laughs> After church. If you pray, you get the, the fried chicken. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, if you pray, you get a beef bowl at Yoshinoya. <laughs> <laughs> I get that miso soup. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what, so you're second ge- generation Filipino-American. Mm-hmm. What's the um, Filipino community like in America? Big population, small population? It's fucking huge. Yeah. Am I allowed to curse? You're allowed okay. to curse. Okay. Cool, yeah. It's fucking huge. Apparently, <laughs> apparently we're the second... Largest minority, right? Asian. We're the second largest Asian community. Who's first? Chinese. Are you sure about that? Guys. I mean, you're a Filipino restaurant in Chinatown. That's my basic research. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes, we're. I feel like Chinese. Yeah, like okay. Right. Yeah, Chinese okay. is first largest, sure. second largest Asian yeah. community. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, the assist on that. Um, and is it a tight knit community? You know, like, do, do you like, when you go to other Filipino pockets, everyone's like, I can say yes they and recognize, no. Game recognized game. Yeah, I mean it's it's different because there's a lot a lot of us in different parts of uh, SoCal. You yeah. have a lot of us in the South Bay, a lot of us in the Valley. You have a lot in West Covina, uh, Inland Empire area where we're we're from. Yeah, where we hung out at. But in terms of similarities, uh, a lot of us like, grew up with a lot of hip hop. You know, uh, parents are. Uh, came from the Philippines, so we guys have those cultural ties and understandings, you know. Um, so in a sense, there is that game recognized game of, of that. Um, so is it like one foot Filipino culture, one foot American culture, exactly. like the classic exactly. che- second generation? Exactly. Absolutely. But I mean, you guys obviously having a Filipino restaurant uh, didn't reject Filipino culture outright, but were, was there any point growing up where you're like, I want all American. Like, Fuck yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. No, we, yeah. we did reject it. Okay. Sometimes I'm like, me opening a Filipino restaurant as an adult is like making up for my childhood of being ashamed <laughs> of the food and the culture. And I mean, you know, our parents came here to assimilate. We talk about it and it's a constant conversation piece with Filipino American food and us trying to pursue Filipino food. But yeah, our parents came here to assimilate. They weren't proud of... Everything stayed at home. Everything. All the Filipino you know? food. So it wasn't like you were going to lunch and in the brown bag was like well, yeah, rice, hard boiled eggs, things like that. Uh, yes. Maybe like yeah. a egg sa- scrambled egg sandwich sure. on pandesal, but nothing yeah. like there was no like 
sour soup in my broth for thirty. In, in my right, you're not popping that thermos right. down. People are going like, "What is that smell?" Right. Right. smell right. But yeah. so, so mom cooked, grandma cooked. But I mean, did you love the food at home growing oh, yeah. up? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Absolutely. I mean, like, without a doubt. The the beauty about it was, um, our family cooked really well, and we were so obsessed about it. Like when we're talking about. Oh, you know, I think the baby's puts it really good. We're going, to, we're going to her house tonight. So, oh, yeah, I love the way that she does it, the way that she cooks it, the the noodles, the the ratio between like carrots to beef. You know, we're, we talk about it like yeah. that, and then we'll compare it to uh, my other aunts or something. And that's or, just how our family. I mean, that's was. just how our family was. Yeah, so it was innate in us in the way that we kind of saw it all and how excited we got about food because it wasn't just my brother and I. It was also our parents and our aunts and relatives too, who who are also on that same tip and cousins, just talking about the food. So were it was too, just in our DNA. And were you two close growing up? Yeah. Yes. And but then high no, happened, and you know? then yes again. Yeah. And then right now. We're talking now. You know? Yeah, we're talking. Look, I've been I've been in business with my brother for ten years. Yeah. It's a it's a, a rollercoaster. Yeah, totally. Um, but growing up, did you guys ever do, like have businesses together? You guys ever like do the lemonade stand or anything like that? Yeah, a comic book shop. Comic book and and cards. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, we had that. I bring yeah, that yeah. up when we were kids. Like that was fun. Marvel nerds to the core. Yeah. Oh. You know? He still's got some like wrapped comics. Yeah. Give him that. You're like you're like alright man, Crispy. so if if we have a slow summer I'm pulling out these Wolverine issues. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we'll float the restaurant, I got you. We'll put it yeah. Um So when did you guys first start getting interested in the restaurant business? And I'm assuming when you've or maybe I'm wrong, but when you first got started, the idea to open up a Filipino restaurant probably wasn't the first thing that came to mind. No, I think when Chad and I really thought about it, like um, we were about 19, 18, 19, uh, we were working together at this mom and pop show owned restaurant. Uh, it's called Owens Bistro. Owens Bistro and It was awesome because, you know, in the suburbs, all you have is, you know, Applebee's. Applebee's. Olive Garden, right. McDonald's, mm-hmm. the yeah. whole nine, and then you got this mom, and this like husband and wife team trying to open up something cool. That's like, pretty cool. And that was and making stuff from scratch. Yes, right. and they and, still exist. And they still exist to this day. Wow. And we got hired on as servers, or actually busters. Let's be let's be real. Let's be real. I was a bus boy. We were both bus boys hired on. Who was the better one? I mean. Before that, oh, though, I was me. a dishwasher at <laughs> yeah. a bakery for two years. Okay. But so were you just drawn to food because that was just sort of where you could get a job, or did you have something a little bit deeper? For me, it was definitely just the first job I got. My cousin kicked me down this job. He's like, you want to wash dishes? You know, I was a junior, so I was 15 and a half, whatever, and I was able to leave school early even if I only worked eight hours a week. You know yeah. What I mean? So it was tight. I was like, yeah, I'll do this, and then it was just meant extra money for at that time anything skateboard related mm-hmm. you know and it made sense and then after that chase had already been serving at bob's, bob's big, big boy, boy chili spaghetti and diamond bar chili spaghetti off the off the 60 and so like yeah we we found owen's bistro and yeah. we started as bus boys now was that a revelation because i you know i grew up in the suburbs as well and it was like on the edge of Philadelphia, and so I definitely had, and my mom cooked a lot, so I had the the general concept of like, oh, okay, restaurants, some restaurants serve processed food, and some restaurants serve real food, but when you go to the bistro, do you go like, oh, this is sort of like what we know from home, if not the flavors, but the process of making things on your own? Yeah, I started yeah. thinking about that yeah. for sure, like, I think even as a buster from the get, 
I would spend a lot of like the downtime just kind of watching the kitchen dudes, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And that's where the kind of initial fascination happened. I mean, you know, apparently when I was younger, I told my mom I wanted to be a cooker at Denny's. Came high, moved right. over Miami, uh-huh. <laughs> right? But you wound up going to kitchens, right? I mean, you put yeah. in a decade yeah, in professional yeah, yeah, kitchens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not that, I mean, obviously there's a professional kitchen as well, but what made that shift? What from the bistro brought you, like, out into the world? Because you traveled um, around and you cooked. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was never very good at school. Yeah. Um, I think I'm more of a intuition, instinct kind of based person. And, you know, that lends itself really well to the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and I was pretty good at it for being so young and um, yeah I was just like I think this is something that I can do and you cooked at some big kitchens too right yeah uh, big neighborhood restaurants that were you know like um, Canale I feel like is where I really kind of got a huge sense of what a chef driven market driven restaurant was um the team that I got to cook with at that time, damn near everyone that I worked with on the line is very ambitious and still killing it. Yeah. Um, I worked at Contigo in San Francisco, a Spanish joint in Noe Valley, another neighborhood restaurant that, you know. That was very influential. Very, very influential. And um, Chase, you went from busing at Owens to managing, right? Yeah. Um, what do you do to management? Because some, you know, that's not a normal story that we get to tell here mm-hmm. about people who are like front of the house. Like, what what started you down that path? Well, honestly, working at Owens Bistro and feeling like I was going to get into like a fascination of the process. You know, when you're seeing this husband and wife literally doing everything from scratch, from making decisions on the wine to oh, what kind of napkins are we gonna get? And, or what are we gonna do on this menu? Like direct influence on what is gonna happen for the opening of a restaurant for that day to make people happy and serve. That was a trip. Where we grew up seeing suburbs where like, they're just cutting open a bag, putting it in a pot, warming it up, twenty five ninety nine. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's fucking bomb, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, like my Applebee's. Applebee's, Cheesecake like, Factory. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So seeing that kind of blew me away in a sense of just how hands on this can really be. And so from that experience and seeing how, honestly, Denise was the owner and Jim, how they engaged with their guests and how much they cared for anyone that walked in through those doors, it really sunk into me and it still sinks into me to this day. So from that, I wanted to kind of create that on a larger scale and see how I can do that the rest of my life. And, and you wound up going from there to work for Wolfgang Puck, right? Yeah, Wolfgang Puck Catering. Actually, when I started there, um, I started at the front desk. Like, get in any way. Yeah, um, just giving away paychecks for the, for, for, uh, for the staff and then just really pushing the uh, operations team to let me like, take on some tasks here and there, help them out, just really hustling for for it. And then from there, they kind of let me in a little bit, and I was there for four and a half years. Wow. And so from there, I moved to management from LA Live, PD Pacific Design Center, Sony. Best thing you learned there? What was like the one tip that you still learned from there that you still apply today for management? I think uh, management from there is you can make shit happen, period. Um, No matter the situation, you're going to figure it out. You know, and trusting the team and 
and trusting yourself. I think that was really huge because it's such a big, Wolfgang Park Catering is so huge, you know? Yeah. And every, like, we're doing events for like thousands of people and everyone's such a big part of it. And you gotta trust everyone, trust the system, trust yourself, and we're gonna figure the solution out. And it really stuck out to me. And then, so you guys were, you know, you were in San Francisco, Chad and Chase, you were at Wolfgang Park, but then you both wandered up at Squirrel. Yeah. Yes. How did you guys wind up there together? Um, through Chad. So when I left... And what year is this? 12? 2012? Is that, is that for real? 11 or 12? 11 or 12. Okay, so when I left Canalay to move up north, it's getting a little stale here. Like, there was no Bestia, there was no Night Market, there was yeah. no... The flux of our generation chefs opening... Hadn't happened. Hadn't happened. It was coming. It was, it was coming. coming. That was like, like real yeah, fucking It was like soon. right on the edge. Right, Bob right. was coming through. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, so there was six like... months into living up there, I had already made the decision that I was only going to be there for another six months. And Rhea, uh, Rhea who I worked with at Canale, was the opening chef at Squirrel. And so she was like, hey, if we move back down, I need some fucking help. So that's how I got that job. And then... It was so small back then that Jess, Coslo, and Rhea were like, if you know anyone that wants to run, let's put them on. So I hollered at my wife and Chase to run. Nice. There were no servers there, but just run food because it yeah. just started turning into high volume. And so that's how we both ended up there. And while we were there, um, although the discussion had started, that's when we really made the decision to start, like, let's just do some backyard dinners and see how it goes. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to get uh, to those uh, dinners and then taking those dinners and turning it into the restaurant that we are sitting in now. We have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wanna pray like a piranha Tell it life to mama 
all those people saw you twirling your hair. I'm gonna catch you, you don't care. back to Snacky Tunes. We are here at Lhasa with co-owner and chef Chad and co-owner and GM Chase. So you guys are at Squirrel and then you start talking about doing some pop-ups. What sort of made you want to start doing these pop-ups? Did you sort of see that there was a wave of your generation doing restaurants or were you just saying we can do this? Yeah, that. I think honestly we, we were we'll be even before that. We kind of thought, thought that we were going to pursue food but if we were going to do Filipino we weren't going to get investors like right off the jump it was more it's got to be organic we, yeah. in a sense where we have to build let's up, grow let's grow let's it's figure about, it out let's plant the let's seed let's just try exactly yeah, let's, let's plant, plant the, the seed. seed you know let's be honest with ourselves you know yeah. um, I mean in 2012 2013 what was the perception of Americans of Filipino food or was there even one there was hell no when no. we started doing pop-ups man <laughs> There was nothing, nothing, like no, absolutely I, nothing. We were definitely like, I think the only thing going on was in New York, Maharlika. 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 You know? Right. I mean, yeah. Del Chile a little even, bit. Right, 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 right. But not, I don't know, not, um, like Maharlika is a lot more straightforward. Not, I don't know, we were just trying to figure out how we were going to do it. Like, all right, we were, grew up in these California style kitchens yeah. where, you know, market produce is a big deal and you're kind of dumb to be a professional chef and not shop at the farmer's market or not know what seasonality is. And yeah, and then kind of 
bridge that in our upbringing of Filipino food and culture, you know what I mean? So it's kind of just us figuring that out. And I think to this day we're still figuring it out, but I think more and more we're kind of strengthening that vision and figuring it out and just continuing the dialogue, you know what I mean? And so what were those reactions to those early dinners like? Uh, were people into it? I mean, when I mean, from the get-go, you're like, we're going to do Filipino food. Were people scratching their heads or were they just down to support you because you'd been around for so long? Um, no, we, it was like starting from scratch, man. Yeah. Like, I was, mean... We fed our family and friends for like, right. literally... Honestly, yeah. the first pop-up was only friends and family. Like test drive you know it was a real one like they're all critical as fuck but you know like our parents like are you sure you were judging us all these years yeah my dad was like you want to do filipino food yeah i'm like okay i'm gonna be a filipino dude cooking italian food the rest of my life like yeah i don't know you know it just Mm -hmm. something innate in us for sure was pushing (laughs) us to be like well if we're gonna pursue being in the restaurant industry then shit, man. We definitely have to try pursuing Filipino food. And whatever that means, it's going to be our way. Mm-hmm. And it took us a minute to be confident in whatever our way was going to be. And you know, that's, what, that's what really this journey has been about. And like. what is that way compared to traditional Filipino food? Since there aren't a lot... I mean, because really, the you probably have to go back to the Philippines compared to other restaurants other than the, you know, handful that mm-hmm. are in America. Like, so how was your approach different to serving people food in the professional setting compared to what it's like back home? Or back um, home the home home. Well, I mean, let's be real. Like, 80% of Filipino food is one pot cooking. Sure. So it's a stew or a braise. It's a poor country, so you have, you know, not bad cuts of meat, but cuts of meat that need to be slow cooked to have any sort of tenderness or flavor. Yeah. So we take that approach. We use a lot of cuts that need to be slow cooked or braised and the vegetables are always like mushy uh-huh. um, they're not cooked to say western standards of al dente or properly cooked vegetables but you know growing up here we definitely give a fuck about properly cooking vegetables sure. so it's a mixture of those things um, so a lot of those seasoned braises are definitely like I hate the word but deconstructed mm-hmm. um, and more so for us the way we look at it is like when you're eating something and it's all one pot, for the most part, everything's damn near the same texture. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we take that away and we kind of, this is what a turnip should be like. This is what this meat should be like. This is what the sauce should be like. And it's really not that cerebral. Um, and then we make, try to make it prettier because usually it's just brown food that's scooped over rice. And we love that shit too, but, you know, we're trying to really progress the cuisine and give it some light here. You know, We're trying to ext- like yeah. broaden the idea of what Filipino food can be, right. per se. You know, um, we've always grown up it being that one, that pot, turo turo, your mom's cooking, and we're trying to sh- like, and also we're Filipino American. You know, we're we're a second generation. We're 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 born here, and our influences are a little different. And I think it shows with the way that we're approaching the food, or, and um, <clears throat> and a reflection of our upbringing being. Filipino-Americans, I'd say. Do you run into issues with anyone saying that it's inauthentic because of how much you've filtered it? Um, even though when the authentic version may not be as good? I think we talk about this a lot. It's There's a difference between authentic and traditional. Sure. You know, I think it gets... Lhasa's food is authentic to us right. and our experiences as Filipino-Americans, you know? Um, but it is... 
not traditional. That's why we're so keen on calling it Filipino inspired. You know? Gotcha. Um, because it <laughs> just is. Get, just get just, in front of right, that argument. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, like, right. So we'll, this yeah. is. Just yeah. like, guys, we're trying so, here. Yeah. Right. Um, so you're doing the pop ups. When did you start to notice a shift and how long were you doing it for? A year and a half in, I think, when we started feeding strangers. Right. You know, like we went from backyard dinners to Highland Cafe, Highland Cafe. Off um, of York and Highland Park. Um, two times a friend month. of a friend owned it. So twice a month. I lived down the street at the time. Um, while we were working at Squirrel. And we did twice a month for, we did six months, eight. eight months. So we did about eight months worth of dinners there. Those were prefix, um, still us figuring it out, you know, but starting to get a little bit more adventurous and confident. Um, because yeah, we started feeding strangers, you know, it was yeah. like, all right, sort of mouth thing's kind of working. Uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. Like it was, was like that. There's this one night where I asked him, like, "Hey, do you know anybody in here?" He's like, "Nah, man." I'm like, "Shit, all right, like, cool. cool. That's awesome." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought, like, all right. Sorry, mom. No seats left. Yeah. I can get you in for the late, yeah. the late seating. Um, um, and then when did you, you know, pop ups are one thing. You know, I assume that you guys still had side, you know, main jobs, things <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. And so when do you go like, we're all in. Like we're gonna start doing this full time. Well, I think after. Highland Cafe, we were going like maybe we we're feeding maybe 20, 30 people a night. Right. Yeah. And then. Then we took a break. Oh, yeah. Took a break to work on a business plan because we were stuck on the old school idea of trying to find half a million dollars worth of investors to open a restaurant in LA. So, anyways, we're, while we're doing that. How'd that um, go? <laughs> didn't happen. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I started working at Elysian. Mm -hmm. Um and so the owner there, David Thorne, used to work at Canalay. We have a lot of mutual friends. And when I came back, even while I was at Squirrel, he was like, if you ever need work outside of Squirrel, holler at me, you know? And so whatever, I took a, a gig with him, and it made sense that um, eventually Lasso would be able to do dinners out of Elysian because it's kind of this defunct restaurant space that's, that gets rented out for different things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... That's when it started getting crazy. Because mm -hmm. that we were doing like, when we start at Legion, we were feeding 120 people a night. So we were wow. first, the first three, we, we fed 90 people. So 90, it took us a week and a half, a week to sell it. Which sell is it amazing. Out. Right. And, and then and the then, last five months after that, we we're booking them solid 120 people. In less than in less like 15 20 minutes yeah. so it's like that it whole la craze like what yeah. is this shit the, the, oh yeah yeah the know? lines you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like in and also people most people probably had never really had filipino food until they sat down with you right right and it's that sense i think with a lot of the diners of it was awesome because people were excited to see where we're what we're trying to do with the food you know we, we were always growing up in it with one way and these guys are trying to do something else or it doesn't look familiar but it tastes familiar totally. you know and so that was exciting kind of seeing that and yeah. from there it was just like shit all right let's go so and yeah then that's when we started getting any kind of press mm -hmm. right any kind of interest um and alvin okay. let's talk about alvin yeah so alvin uh owner of egg slot alvin mm -hmm. kellen had this space mm -hmm. unit 120 mm -hmm. which was an incubator mm -hmm. a rotating incubator mm -hmm. which is amazing mm -hmm. like just the concept that any chef totally. would be like i'm gonna have a space which is essentially like 
a loss leader. Like it's not really always making profit, mm-hmm. but so I can help you know share with those spots. Yeah, right. is unique. Right. So he's definitely the one that was like, you guys are trying to find half a million dollars worth of investors. How much are you trying to own of your company? How, you know, he was yeah yeah hardcore devil's advocate of. You guys have been working really hard at your thing, and do you want it to be your thing, or do you want to Someone be that- a fucking horse that's getting gambled on? You know yeah. what I mean? And so, to be honest, we were at that time we were considering the ramen champ space, although tiny. And yeah. he was like, "Come downstairs." And we're here at the <laughs> plaza, and he we go in here, which was Fajiana. But not Fajiana at all. Brown and yellow walls. Right. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to turn this into Unit 120. What days do you guys want? And I was like, I want to quit my day job. Give me the weekends. Like, yeah. If there's going to be any sort of progress and growth for Lhasa and us pushing it, I wanted to quit my day job. And, you know, it sounded scary, but we went for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what was it like? What were those early days like of getting it open and getting the word out? Did you see... Now that it wasn't just like a one-off thing, did you see like a rise and then a dip as far as customers yeah. come? Yeah, um, but I think because it was only three nights a week, yeah, it allowed us to kind of um, be we're busy. D- yeah, we were busy. You know? we were busy. Yeah, because you know it's not like spread out in six days. Yeah, fill this restaurant up. It was like three day, three nights out of the week. We're doing a prefix menu, three courses. Um, we're gonna feed. We're gonna cap it at like fifty, sixty a night or something right. like that. Just because that's. We had, like, a skeleton yeah. crew. So we do what we can kind of a thing. And then, based on the popularity, how how did the decision... I mean, the fact that you guys didn't get bounced out of here, the fact that Alvin was like, all right, you guys can have it. Like, what was that discussion like? What was that moment like? That was a trip. I mean, It was a trip. First of all, we were looking at a different space in here, uh, in the plaza. Oh, so you were going to leave the space and go to another space in the no, plaza? No, right. Yeah, we were... Well, we didn't even... I mean, we just thought he was going to continue. We were, it was almost like, I wonder who his next residence going to yeah, be. Yeah, right. It was almost a year out. Right. Was, let's you know. do our own thing now. Let's try it. Can we do it? Blah, blah, blah. Told him what we were trying to do. Showed him our renderings. And he was like, how about you guys just take over 120? You know? And as a homie, he was like... And at, by that time, we already asked for the fourth night. Right. You know? Right. So and we he were already... Was, you know, and he was real. He was like, you know, as a homie, and for you guys to make a business decision, you'd be idiots to say no to this. But I also understand... If you want to leave. If you want to leave and you have this dream space idea yeah. mapped out in there. Mm-hmm. But maybe you could work that out in here. Yeah. You know? And, and this was bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and already home in so many ways. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Best locale in the plaza. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you can see that. The, the people the, waiting for Helen Rays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and so now now that you've been open, you shut down for a little bit and been open, what's it been like? I mean, what's it been like, you know, a year in, as brothers, as partners, as a restaurant? Like, how, how has it been f- for that whole journey to be know. here now? As brothers, a lot of growth. Yeah. Um, as business partners, a lot of growth on so many levels. Um, when we started... We were fucking at each other's throats, like, you know, like, what the fuck are we doing? Or, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, this yeah. is a bad idea. And then it's, like, reality TV type shit. Yeah. Nowadays, it's, like, communication. Yeah. Trust each other Trust, a lot yeah. more. You know, and Talk underst- about it. Yeah. 
No and women it, talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So the during service, yeah. like after service, home. Yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. like, hey, yeah. hey, hey, I know I'm 30 tickets deep, but I need you right now to have a. My brother and I always like to call them house meetings, but they could happen anywhere, uh-huh. you know, especially not in the house, like on the street in front of a lot of friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, and being on number 18 on Gold's 101 list, I mean, that has to be, even though awards and lists, you know, you can get caught up in that stuff, but that has to be a, an, an amazing validation of your food, the culture, the family, like everything, you know? Yeah. I mean, how many Filipino restaurants are on the list? Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, for me as a, Three. As, um, a as a brother, <laughs> as a brother and as a partner, I was actually, I was proud, you know, like I've, I've been a fan of Chad, you know, what he does and how he cooks and just to see that validation for what he does and what the, the, t- the kitchen team does, you know, yeah. uh, what we do, it, it was incredible. And I honestly didn't think we'd We didn't even, to, I mean, I didn't think So last year we were on, all right, let's talk about this list real quick. <laughs> last year we were on the list as Far East Plaza, all right? Yeah, yeah. And obviously the Lhasa was just part of Unit 120. Right, it was the whole thing, right. I right. remember, yeah. And so getting asked to do food at the launch party, I noticed Helen Reyes is on the list. None of us had any sort of like, we were unsure if we were on the list or a huge part of me was like, oh, we're probably Faris Plaza again, but way higher because this plaza is fucking killing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like during the fucking event, you were there, right? I was there. We were busy. Oh, no, you were like super busy. Right. So like there was no time to like leave and say hi to everybody. And like it was like almost the end of it. Uh, Chef Ryan from Irina came up with a freaking pamphlet and was like, fuck you guys, and he threw it down. It was like, number 18, I'm like, do the numbers matter? And everyone was like, shut the fuck up, the numbers matter. And it was just like wild, you know? It was like, also like before that, during it, a lot of chefs that I respect living shit out of were coming up to us and and, uh, congratulating us. And I was just like, yeah, it's an honor to be here. I didn't right. know. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> and yeah. maybe it was for that and the fact that we were, but I was just like, thank you. Yo, yeah, I'm like, happy to be I'm cooking you. I'm so, so happy, happy to be here. here. Yeah. Like, this is, this is one event that I really wanted to be a part of, you know? And so, yeah, um, it's been pretty crazy. It's, it's, it's like, so we had a slow summer and. You know, honestly, throughout the summer, we were kind of, like, starting to get fucking scared. Like, mm-hmm. is this... Like, we'd talk about, like, hey, just a reminder, if this doesn't work out, doesn't mean we can't get awesome jobs elsewhere. You know? <laughs> we'd even right. talk like that yeah. because, right. yeah. you know, just kind of make it lighthearted. But then also the other side of that was, like, all right, well, what the fuck can we do to get people in here? You know? Yeah. Because we're confident in what we do, um... Still Filipino food. Still Filipino food. And it's still like the real our reality is Mm -hmm. Filipino choosing to pursue Filipino food is a huge risk. And what I mean by that is your average Angelino family or couple is gonna be like, hey baby, what are we gonna have for dinner tonight? Filipino food is not a part of that fucking conversation. Mm -hmm. Maybe five years from now if we're lucky. Yeah. But I mean if within a year or two, if Lhasa could be a part of that conversation, fuck yeah, you know? And that's what I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. So if, like, the closer goal is that Lhasa is part of the conversation and the bigger goal is that Filipino food is a conversation, then, you know, I think we're doing the right thing. Awesome. That's well, it. I think you're doing a great thing. Congratulations. Where Thank can you. people find you? Online? You guys are up on the gram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lhasa's on the gram. Yeah, on the gram. 
Lhasa underscore LA. Yeah. Online. www.lhasa-la.com. Come through. Yeah, come through, have dinner, have lunch, you're up hang on re- out. Resi too, right? Yeah, we're up on Resi, Resi for reservations. Awesome. Yeah. It's great, which you're, you'll definitely need on the weekends here. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, guys. We have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds. Or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the Farmstead Cheese Company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Roth's Grand Cru Searchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satori's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk. Fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We have the Rizzos live in studio. Welcome. Hello. Hey. Hello. Would you like to go around the room and introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Megan. I'm Justin. And I'm Bettina. Leaning on the drums. Leaning on the drums to get closer to the microphone. As drummers <laughs> do. The Rizzos are one of the hardest working bands in New York City. Verified. Verified. <laughs> what sets you apart from the other 19 or so hardest working bands? Ooh. We're the prettiest. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not We're sure. Probably that's true. the most iced band. We're the most iced band. Yeah. We're sponsored by Smirnoff. We're the Ice. only King Pizza band on the on hardest hard working list, list this year. But there's a lot of hardworking King Pizza bands. That's there true. Are a lot of hardworking. Do you feel like that that poll is representative? It's a good. It's a real indication. Or do you, you know, think? I was thinking about this yesterday, and because I felt like that might come up, um, talking about this. And here is my my stance, and you guys feel free to jump in. Rev up for it. I, I really <laughs> was like preparing in the shower. Um, so, I think that since there are so many bands and so many shows, that their criteria makes a ton of sense for their publication. Like, and they have at the top of the list every year. They're like, these are the shows that we listed. We can only get to so many. So this is like our hardest working. And I think that's 100% valid and really fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I think there are so many smaller bands that are busting their asses. Kind of, sorry, butts. All the time. <laughs> it's it's a podcast. You can say ass. That's true. Yeah. Ass. Sweet. Well, they're, they're busting it. Um, that don't get, they don't play the right, like the bigger venues. They don't get the write-ups on certain blogs. But they're playing just as many shows, if not more. So I think there are different like levels of hardest working depending on so how you like want a, to find so it. So there's a shadow hardest working. A secret yeah. hardest working, if you will. I yeah, would say so. Probably yeah. like yeah, and like a lot of people like also like that list just does not include like DIY venues and things that like yeah. they're not there could be someone playing like three hundred sixty five shows a year. Yeah. We wouldn't know about it. Like we've played like a we played a good number of basement shows and like house shows last year, which like those aren't going to get on there because yeah. no one wants their address on the internet. And also, if we're honest, we're not really hardworking. We don't that really is work untrue. Hard. <laughs> Speak for yourself. She was disagree. Mr. Late to everything. Uh, I was kind of on time today. I was on. I was unclear that house shows and DIY venues did not show up on that. I feel like that's a huge part of the scene that yeah. they're tracking. I'm assuming they don't. They didn't. No, not for the most part. Yeah. Because it's only, it's yeah, nice. it's got to be, like, through, I don't know. Yeah, but like I said, like, I think their criteria is super spot on, and I think there's a good and valid reason why these shows don't, like, the basement shows don't end up listed, because you don't really need that being blasted out that big, because the show will fit 30 people, and you're happy. Yeah. Um, but it definitely is mixing, missing a section of the, like, DIY scene, for sure. Well, I also think a lot of bands get their 
footing in those venues too. I mean, even to get to somewhere like Alphaville or yep. something along those lines, you have to play a number of house shows to even know what it is to get on stage. Exactly. Totally. I yeah. want to read something you sent to me about you. <laughs> the Rizzos. Ooh. Their currency is laughter. Main export is good times. Their GDP is roughly that of a deserted island. Please tell me about your main export of good times. <laughs> Justin? Well, you see, we don't import a lot except for beer. But because we import so much beer, we're just naturally always producing good times. At least for ourselves. Um, I don't know how well-known we are in the international community yet for our export of good times. But we like to think that, I mean, it's really the only thing we got. We're not producing anything else. <laughs> To speak to our international Snacky Tunes community, what type of good times would you be bringing to them across uh, the sea? Uh, well, hopefully they'll get a little bit of um, awkward dancing. I was about to shout out our, our game. What's our game? What's our your game, game? Oh. is um, on the count of three, do the ugliest dance you can think of. <laughs> oh, yeah. And make the worst face possible. Mm -hmm. That's can, a good time. Can we get a worst face? Can I say one, two, three? Oh, I did the uh, dance move, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It was> so <laughs> weird. <laughs> That was zombie. For the listeners piano. at home, how how ugly do you think that was? Uh, I'm gonna say Megan won. Uh, oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah, good job, Megan. You, you threw in the wiggle. For those who can't see, you threw in a wiggle. Can we get a song? Yeah. 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 What are you gonna play for us first? Do you wanna do "Bless This Mess"? Sure. Let's do it. Cool. This is a, a newish one. King Pizza Records earlier. King Pizza Records is a gang. <laughs> it is Whoa. a gang. Eh, you're not Just wrong. like ICP. Just like ICP. <laughs> we're, we're, we're officially recognized by the, by the FBI. For the not tip them off, Justin. <laughs> hey. For the uninitiated, what is King P Pizza Records and who makes up the gang? Bettina, you take this one. Oh, oh okay. are you fixing something? Well, I'm trying to find uh, <laughs> the, the part of my uh, hi-hats I destroyed, but I'll do it okay. in a second. I'll, I'll take it. Um, okay. So King Pizza Records was started by our friend Greg Hansen, 
He plays drums in the Mad Doctors, among some other bands. He started it kind of as kind of like, um, basically he wanted to be able to, as a true fan of music in Brooklyn and elsewhere, he was very concerned that all these awesome bands that he knew weren't really getting distribution or any sort of like label support. And so he wanted to put his own resources to helping other people release their music um, digitally on tapes and on vinyl as well. And he also wanted to really like build and foster a community where, in addition for him like putting out music, he also wanted to create like a community that would like self-sustain and support itself and kind of be like an artist coalition of like, you know, if you're on the label, go see these awesome bands, support them, hype their stuff, listen to their stuff, spread it around, and really, you know, do it together sort of yeah. mentality. And everyone's like very like-minded and like just really loves each other's music and like I think we've all made like our best friends out of this group of people just like who love being at shows who love making music who love listening to music and yeah the community is a really huge part of it yeah it's been great so it started I want to say like 2013 with four bands maybe and now we have a roster of like 25 to 30 at any time um mostly in Brooklyn um also in like Philly and I think Austin Omex are from Ohio something like that um so yeah, it's I been it's been really awesome. It's a ton of fun. Like everyone said, it's like good good people hanging out, making music, and we try to be as inclusive and opening to people who like just want to come to shows as possible. Because there's definitely that fear of like, what if I don't know anybody? Yeah, so many people use the word community and then kind of fall short of it. What makes this community so unique? I I like. Every King Pizza show, like, even if you don't know anyone, like, you walk into the room and I think you're going to leave, like, you're going to leave knowing people. Everyone just, like, wants to talk, wants to get to know everyone. Like, if you walked in by yourself, someone would probably walk up to you and be like, hey, what's up? Like, what's going on? What brought you here? Yeah, okay. like, if I can, like, share, like, a true experience of someone else. Um, I was talking to Romy from Power Snap. Shout mm-hmm. out. She was talking about, like, she's a relative, I think she's only been in Brooklyn for about, like, a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said she, we were talking, she, like, came to a show. And then, like, because, like, I invited her or something. And then, like, she immediately got involved with, like, Seth and got involved with, like, working with people and, like, met a bunch of friends. And, yeah, it's just, like, cool. Like, we, like, we've made so many friends personally with, like, artists, photographers, Mm -hmm. um, musicians, and people just come. And I don't know. I think it's just, like, a very welcoming group of people that just want to have friends and have fun and support each other and, you know, help people's dreams come true. Everyone's like super into side projects too. Like we have one good friend, Rachel Adler, who's a visual artist, and like she's like, I'm gonna put together an exhibit at this show. So then like mm-hmm. that's a big show. You'll have like an opening, and then her art's hanging up for like a couple months. Yeah, she's doing like a like a like a I think a monthly thing at Footlight now, where she's just getting yeah. you know photos. She's like curating other people's art shows and like with like music as well. It's really awesome. Yeah, you mentioned Footlight, but what are some of the other venues that the shows take place at? The gutter's a big one. Yeah, we've been take, we've taken a hard hold of the gutter recently, <laughs> mostly because uh, Greg books there, yeah. and it's because it's wonderful and always <laughs> we love sounds it good. So much. And there's bowling. And there's bowling. Yeah. bowling. Where do they set up the bands? There's a back room. If you walk through the bathrooms. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forget about that. Pass the crapper, and you'll find the music. <laughs> you'll find the crapper. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, I saw white. I saw white lung there. Oh, cool. Forever ago. Yeah. That's, that's right. Awesome. I always wanted them to set up on half of the lanes. Yeah, that's that, so cool. that is my dream. That's the dream, right? The opening scene of Josie and the Pussycats. They're playing on the bowling. They lanes. used to have the Asbury lanes in yeah. Asbury Park. I think that place has been closed for a while at this point. I was talking to someone so. yesterday. They're reopening soon. Yes. Woo goals we want to play them um, but i did know the gutter had uh they did cover bands on halloween they had some in the front room which oh, cool. really oh. shakes it up that's awesome 
weird. It's really interesting for this because it sounds like how when I went to basement shows growing up, it's mm-hmm. the same thing where like you didn't know anybody, you meet you would meet people. It's really awesome to hear in 2017, 2018, where people feel so isolated. Yeah. That yeah. there's a community like this that still exists and you can find you can be a weirdo and go to a show and make friends, which is really what I always felt music and art did for people. I agree. Totally. I think Greg has really, I interrupt you, I apologize. Um, but he's collected all the weirdos. Like, he's collected a lot of weirdos <laughs> that he knows. There's, there's and more. Been like, there's more out there. Not there. That's true. Please, if you want to come see there's Garage Rock, come to King Pizza most, and be weird with us. King but Pizza, <laughs> most of the weirdos. Yeah. I would call that an un- unofficial subtitle. The cheesiest line, weirdos. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Can we hear another song? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I hope you guys don't mind. My uh, hi hat is now a crash symbol. Sweet. Uh, let's Get do Breslin because that's what I'm tuned for.
chair is really bouncy. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you should always play on bouncy chair. Yeah. February 9th. Oh, yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah. Very nice. You know oh, yeah. where this is going. I'm excited to talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> it. Fourth annual Valentine's Day party. Oh, Valentine's Day prom. 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 Yes. Well, prom is a party. That is true. It's okay, you're right. You're not, totally correct. Not all, not all parties are proms, but all proms are parties. Correct, yes. Probably. And now I'm feeling <laughs> sad that not all parties are proms. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Okay, fine. <laughs> Fourth annual. Fourth annual. Let's talk about it. Yes. All right. give, give us an origin story. All right. So they're tuning. So I'm going to take this opportunity <laughs> to talk about my favorite thing of the year, which is prom. Um, we have we kind of, we have a song called Prom Song, kind of a promy vibe. So four years ago, we were like, let's throw a Valentine's Day prom at Don Pedro, which is where we were playing a lot of shows and spending Ooh, a lot of times. It was. It was we played there like I swear once a week for two years. <laughs> Something like that. That was a casual did, exaggeration. Did, did that get counted? Did Tom uh, Pedro get counted? <laughs> Some shows. Incons- Not inconsistent. Yeah. yeah, depending on the show. We were we were we were a little baby band, so. Yeah, we played anytime someone was like, "We need a band." Rizzles will say yes. We're like, "You're right." Um, so we had the first prom there. Just kind of like, we'll throw a show. We'll see how it goes. Uh, photo booth, prom king and queen, and dress it was up. yeah, dress up formal, and it was a blast. Like it was so much fun. Was it proper formal or was it like themed formal? Theme formal, I would say. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could yeah. show up casual. We're not like strict about it. Yeah, there are no rules. Yeah, there's no rules. Yeah. The parents, no rules. Yeah. Um, and no chaperones. We did it with uh, <laughs> with our greatest homies, uh, sirs and madams. Mm-hmm. Um, they were our prom dates for their first year, our second year, and our third year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not joining us this year because they recently split up. They retired. Very sad. They retired. Um, of us. <laughs> <laughs> Sick of us. Um, so yeah, we did the first one at Don Pedro. Mm-hmm. Where was the second The last one? two were at the last gutter. last two were both at the gutter. Okay. And this one is going to be at the gutter as well. Because we love the gutter. We do. And it has that disco ball and the fun twinkle lights. It just feels very prom-tastic. Yeah. It, is mm-hmm. there prom dancing and bowling and everything? We have yet to incorporate the bowling officially, but yeah. I do think we can, t- can consider that after prom. Yeah, oh, like post prom party. That's always on the dock. Is you take your limo. Yeah. <laughs> and is it? Tell us about the lineup. It's a mix of live music and DJs. Uh, we yeah. So we're still starting out the, the details for a DJ, but it, it's I believe it's a member of World's Greatest Detective will be DJing. Um, he's going to be in between sets. Yeah. And then sorry guys, I'm talking so much. So if you want to jump in, please feel free. <laughs> um, we have Ghost Funk Orchestras joining us, which I'm super stoked about. Um, the Royal They and Plaid Dracula, yep. and then us. <laughs> and well, if reverse order. And if uh, you've never been, what can you expect? Um, expect the unexpected. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, there's going to be one a lot of great music. If I do say so myself, we did mm-hmm. a really good job picking awesome bands to play. I agree. Um, there's going to be yeah. Um, we haven't hammered out all the details, but there's going to be definitely some fancy clothing and some dancing. There's going to be a prom king and queen, which we will vote on throughout the night I'm by scoring. ballot. Yes. There might be some campaigning. Some <laughs> there <laughs> might does be. tend to be. Has the campaigning unofficially started or does it start the night of? I, probably, I bet it's going to start as soon as people hear this podcast. It's going <laughs> <laughs> to. It yeah. should start the night of for fairness. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. technically there shouldn't be any campaigning near the polling place, but 
<laughs> it's within 20 but feet. It's, 20 a, feet. A, it's a pretty small space, yeah. so we're going to have to. Yeah. I'm looking for a good fight. But and we then, also have a host, which is Coach Dave. He's mm-hmm. everyone's favorite gym teacher. And chaperone. And he's the only chaperone. Yeah. Um, so he's he's always running around throughout the night, and he does intros for the bands and maybe some activities. We had, oh, yeah. We, we had a scooter race scooter last year, race. which my team won. We won the relay. <laughs> yeah. Very impressive. It's very fun. I'm proud of you. Have there been any romance stories from past proms? None that we can tell. We can't say. Here. <laughs> okay. But yes, there definitely have. Okay. Over beers and pizza afterwards. Yes. That's fair. Absolutely. I want to make sure we talk about what's coming up the rest of the year. You're going on a mini tour. Yeah, we're working on it. Um, probably about four or five days at the end of April. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that. Um, and then we're hoping to do a little bit longer of one, but we're still hammering out those details. Yeah. Also. And you have a release coming out, too. Yes. We are releasing a split seven inch with our pals Top Notches from New Pulse. They're mm-hmm. amazing. We are happy to welcome, welcome them onto the label. And then once we do that, we're probably going to do like a summer tour or something with them. We haven't amazing. Figured it out. And this all might be timed with Pizza Fest 5. That's the goal. The goal yeah. is to have the seven inch at Pizza Fest Five, which is going to be in May. Um, that depends on you know pressing vinyl casual. Um, I'm very excited we're going to be on vinyl. Um, but Pizza Fest Five should be fantastic, and hopefully our yeah, hopefully our releases then. Yeah, the biggest pizza part of the year. That's like that's peak King Pizza Records right there. Yeah, three yeah. days, lots of bands, lots of actual pizza. Yeah, who are the ven- are there actual vendors? Is it bring your own slice? What's the deal? We usually have vendors and we sell pizza, so we will provide the pizza. Um, last year we worked with Sizzle Pie. Delicious. We've worked with Vinny's in the past, so that's Delicious. all still being hammered out. Um, but it will be tasty. Yeah. Cool. And possibly vegan. I love Sizzle Pie. It can possibly be vegan for you. So excited. Justin is now vegan, so mm-hmm. vegan Sorry. vegan pizza <laughs> has come a long way. <laughs> yeah, the I first agree. the first slice I had was maybe 14 years ago in Eugene, Oregon, and it was uh, garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually undid the the statement that any pizza is good pizza. Was, this is terrible. Oh, no. but it's no. really come a long way. Did they do the thing where they tried to put fake cheese on yeah, it? Yeah, that, that, that was yeah, the problem. The, I know that was a problem. You can yeah. do it. Just do some you can do it. Sometimes it's, now it's better. It's better now. But this was like the cashew cheese yeah. type thing. You're like, the, just give me a tomato pie. Yeah, yeah. give me yeah. a gluten free tomato pie. We're cool. Yeah, see, fake cheese has come a long way, but I can imagine back then it was, like, just really unfortunate. Pioneers. <laughs> um, last question. Oh, Oregon Trail joke. Oh yeah. Right there. oh, yeah, there it is. Died a pizza. <laughs> if the Rizzo's were any type of food or dish, what would you be? We did discuss this a little bit, and we think that we might be our classic tour sandwich. Yeah, we're a sandwich. We were a sandwich. Um, Bettina loves sandwiches. I feel very strongly about them. It's true. And we feel so strongly we have an ongoing uh, roundtable discussion with our pals Heavy Flow from New Jersey about is what is a sandwich is and the nonsense that can be called a sandwich nowadays. Yes. Hot we, dog, we not have, a sandwich. I'm very angry about it. <laughs> is, is there any particular type of sandwich? Hot dogs are not sandwiches. No, just oh, a no, I meant, sandwich. I, meant, I, meant, <laughs> I said I was sandwich. angry. I, um, <laughs> yeah, the Rizzo sandwich. When we were on the road, we stopped at Target and we got a cooler and we just like got a bunch of ingredients to make sandwiches. So it's like a Martin's potato roll. Awesome. Oh, some veganaise for the yeah. vegans. Um, avocado, tomato, and cheese if you can eat cheese. Did we put spinach on the last? We oh, did put spinach, spinach on yeah. It, yeah. Really good. And my thought process. Next time we should add some mustard, maybe. Oh, getting fancy. (laughs) My thought process is like it's quick, easy, satisfying, and you can have it in the back of a car. You can make it in the back of a car. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Where can people find you? Find your music. Find your tour dates. Learn about King Pizza Records. 
They can find our music at therizzos.bandcamp.com. We're also on Spotify and Apple Music and all that jazz. Um, we got a Facebook page where that's where basically all of our updates go, events, tour announcements. We have like a Twitter and an Instagram, but we're not so good at it. Yeah, we're not the You're, best. We only no. use Twitter when we're on tour. Yeah, we're like and trying we're to embarrass Betty on the internet. <laughs> it's real. Uh, and King Pizza's best on Facebook, for sure. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for coming by. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. It's been great. What's the uh, name of the last song going to play for us? It's Way Out. Way Out. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Snacky Tunes. We will be back next week. We'll see you then. Take us out. Listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, 
at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.